Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Argentina, the show of beach life, Mexico City, and so much more. Today's guest is the amazing Andres Portela. He is a brand ambassador for Sombro, traveling the United States, talking about this amazing mascal. Some time ago, I had the opportunity to interview the founder, Richard Betts, and it's great to see that this brand is still chugging along with more gusto than ever. So it's great sitting down to chat with him. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Andres Portela. Yeah, I mean, like I talk to crowds and I done uh, in Vegas one time. I had like huge screens and talking to like 30 people that... Uh, Never had a mezcal education before, and oh, yeah. uh, buyers and bartenders and waiters, people from the industry went there because they had never, they never had a mezcal and tequila class. Yeah. So, and I was like uh, on a PowerPoint and showing pictures about agaves, and I had an hour and a half. I couldn't mm. believe it. I was like, wow, my dream. <laughs> an hour and a half training. <laughs> that was fantastic. Sometimes I always ask, how much time do I? Uh, do I have? Oh, 30 minutes. Oh, right. That's not enough. I will have to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like to get deep into details and, and technique, techniques, processes. And I like people to ask me questions that I, uh, hopefully they ask me things that I don't know. Yeah. I actually like when they ask me things that I don't know. So I have to research them. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. You know? it, it, I love those moments. Here's, here was a moment for me. I was talking to David Searle. And he said, do you know that Cupriata can't grow? From hijuelos, it has to be from seed. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was one of the, you know, like there's always just that one moment where someone that you respect and they're like, they've been doing this a long time. They say that one thing, you're like, oh shit, that's didn't know that, yeah, yeah. And then the talking about pichomel, I didn't know that there were smaller tepestates growing in Puebla. Just to nerd out for a second, right? Uh-huh. I, had, I had no idea until Jason told me. And I think they mature younger, actually. Right? Yeah, they're smaller, they mm-hmm. mature, and hopefully under 25 years. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they take. They take uh, less time, and the flavor profile is oh, different. So beautiful, beautiful stuff. I, I love it too, but it's not like a Oaxacan Tepestate. Right, <laughs> totally different thing. It's like, do you ever do you travel much in the states? Ah, uh, see, si. si. so <laughs> all the time. You been to Chicago? I've been to Chicago not for business. I've been to Chicago twice, and it's my favorite city. I love Chicago, actually. But you been going, to... going next month? Oh, really? Luckily, it's Riot Fest. Oh, dude, are you gonna go see Riot? Fest? <laughs> wow, that's. I, I maybe I saw that coming because I, I forgot who's headlining this year though. Who's it? Uh, Slayer, oh, okay. uh, Block Party. Block, oh, they're doing all of Silent Alarm, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. I'm I'm gonna cry, man. <laughs> so this whole stage thing, right? we're talking about Riot Fest, talking about Block Party. You on stage because this is what education is, right? <laughs> yeah. You said you like when people ask you questions. You're kind of doing that. Where does this background come from? So were you going to school? communications where you go to school for history and this is you grew up in argentina yeah uh-huh, in buenos aires capital buenos aires? city oh, okay so actually well i've i'm number five of uh six brothers yeah i mean four three brothers two sisters and they always educated me on on music actually a oh, lot wow. we always had we are a big family like italian style like what it's a cliche in argentina mm-hmm. and always loud hugging kissing discussing <laughs> Having people in, uh, very uh, all of us were very sociable with like interaction and uh, having people in, even to stay, like come stay with us, you mm-hmm. know. And so my my uncles, my uncle, my aunt, they decided to put me into English classes because they they saw that I was eight years old and they they saw that I was like really into music and English. Yeah. So I started studying English when I was a kid and I wasn't brilliant at school at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only in English. Well, that's, I mean, but think about how that's helping right now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember always my, my teacher was like, 
and just this is going to open your doors uh, all over if you if you speak English like this and blah 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 and like you you should uh, get into the hotel and restaurant business. And I was like, no, I like computers a lot at that time yeah, when I was yeah. a kid, and then I realized that wasn't my thing, and then I ended up uh, in the hotel and the service industry. So bartending or bartending exactly yeah. in Argentina still. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I moved. I'm 36 now, so I moved eight years ago. Yeah, I started bartending, and uh, they put, put me to floor manage and bar manage. So they got me out of the bar, and then concierge and guide touring yeah. and more of that part, part of stuff. And uh, then I decided that I had to go to Mexico. I want to go to Spain in one moment, but uh, then I I realized I wanted to be on a, you know that. Typical dream of the capital city yeah. uh, boy is like, oh, I'm tired of the city. I want to live on the beach. <laughs> right. So uh, I've been to, I moved to Puerto Vallarta. And I thought, oh, so I'm going for two, just for two years, yeah. working in the, to, just to improve my CV and, and living on the beach, living this dream. And after all, I see myself that I was doing really good um, business-wise and also had a lot of time off uh, to keep traveling. Yeah. And... Uh, I could go to Europe and Do also came to the States. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. That is a chapter in pretty much everybody's book. How can I just go travel around a bunch and spend some time on a beach, right? Uh-huh. But going back to the education thing, so one, I'm kind of curious, you know, for the, the people that are in the hospitality industry, even brands, because normally that comes from being behind the bar or working at a distillery, whatever that may be. My dad and my mom were both in the industry, and I was like, why did I get into it? You know? But for you, were your parents also in the industry or different uh, kinds of uh, no no my actually my dad passed away when I was two. Oh, okay and but my oldest brother he was in the hotel industry ah. and that's why I started catching a little bit of what, what, uh, what this work ah. and managing also and uh, but <laughs> my other two brothers are DJs they're actually professional producers no and DJs oh that's killer so music was all the time in my house and I I could never play an instrument but I'm a a massive consumer of music like i'm a melomaniac yeah yeah he's not megalomaniac right no okay <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's a whole other kind of music thing yeah. I think. like kanye west i think level of stuff yeah <laughs> so what it would you know these days what are you listening to what are some things that are really appealing to you these days yeah uh well i i grew up with a lot of heavy metal actually you mentioned Slayer. I mean, you're yeah. going to go see them headline a show. That's brilliant. Uh-huh. Yeah, I grew up with uh, Megadeth, Skid Row. Uh, my first concert was at Skid Row when I was 13 years old. I heard 18 in Life on the, the radio the other day. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's been a long time since I heard some Skid Row. Actually, funny stories that I got to meet Sebastian Bach and all the band. I got no pictures way. when I was <laughs> I was 13 years old. And that was that was a cool cool time and it's a great wasn't it a great time like music is kind of a different deal then you know yeah megadeth like countdown to extinction is you know top five metal records of all time mm -hmm. easily and i think that we kind of i'm just a few years older than you but that was still kind of our payday when we're getting into music you know? yeah I, I was a kid but i was like getting all these cds coming in and the time the era of cds mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> coming in and listening and like listen uh getting all the lyrics also i was crazy about uh uh learning English, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up with uh, also with The Cure and The Mission, all these 4AD label brands, uh, you uh, bands. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pixies were on 4AD, right? Yeah, Pixies yeah. were on 4AD, Belly, Lush, Belly, oh, Cocteau man. Twins. <laughs> I I haven't heard that in a long, I mean, I've got a stupid grin on my face because I haven't heard 4AD for so long because I haven't been back to those, men. the Pixies I listen to again all the time. But really, really, you know, what's interesting is that many of us who really love mezcal love music and art that way because mezcal is more of a song or a painting than it is a product mm -hmm. you know? so we're sipping i want to sip the the sombra like the flagship here in a second but it reminds me of analog it reminds <laughs> me of vinyl right and you talk about the cure lo-fi lo-fi at times lo-fi sometimes it's even tinny like nine inch nails or something right uh-huh so it's cool because it, it really takes on all these different kinds of personalities. So the move to Mexico, this is how I think we should do this. So let's sit <laughs> this Esparin and let's talk about your first experience with Mezcal. Well, my first experience was in uh, when I got 
to Mexico eight years ago. Was more a little bit more than eight years ago, and the cliche of everybody when it comes into Mexico, let's have a mezcal with a worm and mm -hmm. shoot it and have a beer just to because it's because it's disgusting. You just just clear your palate. And right, like don't don't taste it. It's the opposite uh -huh. of what you should be doing, right? Exactly. And it was like, oh well, this is fun, but it's not so cool. You know, I mean, like I don't want. I don't know if I want to drink this. Because this, time. Is, you say late twenties when you. You said eight years uh, ago? Yeah, 28, exactly. 29, something like that, right? Uh-huh. So then um, I, my, then I started like uh, working in the industry in Mexico and and having mezcal cocktails because in Vallarta I wasn't that big still. Was now there much mezcal there on the coast? Right now there is. But back then? Back then not much. Right? No, no. Just a few tequilas also. I mean, everybody was drinking tequila, of course. And, yeah. But, you know, the beach, piña coladas, margaritas, and... And all that stuff. Oh, so Salud, I said, yeah. I was, you know, I poured about <laughs> twice as much. I was going to split up. Oh, but that's, oh. I'm going and going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so it was not a thing yet, right? Like it was not a thing. Bubbling yeah. underground in a way. So I was like, oh, this, this tastes good. Like, and I was liking the mezcal flavors. And then when I moved to Guadalajara, uh, three years after, three years later, uh, I was uh, starting to get all these brands coming in and, and doing trainings, and I was like, what, mezcal is all this? This is how it's made? This is the comparison between mezcal and tequila, yeah. industrial, artisanal, and I was like, nobody was paying attention. It was like, oh, we have another training, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, even back, so they just fell on deaf ears, in a sense, right? Like, people weren't really paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the mezcal boom maybe like six years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And, well, I mean, at least in Mexico or... Mm. We, yeah, uh, we took about, two, I think, two, say two years to, to catch up, I would say, in the States. <laughs> One to two years, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was going crazy about, like, I like bourbon, I like gin, but um, I wasn't so hooked up on those spirits. Like, if I had to drink something, I would drink tequila, I would mm -hmm. drink gin or bourbon but then when i started drinking mezcal and getting to know um everything about it and no warm yeah right <laughs> unaged no warm and handcrafted artisanal high proofs that they tasted delicious and how it and it's an upper it's an upper spirit right. and and how it would interact with cocktails or uh if especially like drinking it uh neat sipping it i was going crazy and i was uh, i was managing i was floor manager of um uh, oyster bar in Guadalajara. Oh yeah, which one? Is it still around? Yeah, La Docena. It's oh. called. Okay. It's a must, actually. <laughs> yeah, because I, th I it sounds familiar. Because there's only there's always that one, right? The, yeah. That one oyster bar you gotta go to. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's actually one of the. They have like four locations now. Two oh, in wow. two in Guadalajara and two in uh, Mexico City. Oh wow. They started in Guadalajara though, and so I was like, every time somebody would ask for a mezcal, they would like call me and. Hey, they want mezcal in this table, so we'll get like grab like three, four random bottles from the from the bar and explain yeah. the customers. Uh, so you kind of became a mezcal sommelier, <laughs> something like right? That. Like, yeah, because that's I mean yeah. that's kind of a thing, or you know, if you want to call it a spirit whisperer, where you connect mm -hmm. people to the spirits, which is one of my favorite things about mezcal, because everybody's mm -hmm. different, every mezcal is different, right? So it became something you probably were getting curious. Go go to the source. You know, find uh -huh. out what it smells like, find out what it tastes like, but in different forms, right? Mm-hmm. And besides, at those times, uh, there wasn't much info on the on the web. Yeah. Now there is a lot can be uh, misinformation sometimes. Sure, sure. So I, I always say that uh, about agave spirits, try to do as well. Try to go to the source if you can. Yeah. And do your research, and don't believe don't believe everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> Like build your own criteria about agave spirits, but then, um, well, after that, for example, I I moved from La Docena to um, this uh, boutique hotel in Tlaquepaque, okay, which I managed also, and I got to meet all the uh, Fortaleza people uh, yeah. with their tours. Stefano was working there, yeah, uh, CC and Mitch, Stefano and Mitch, yeah, okay, <laughs> Guillermo came in too, yeah, uh, yeah, also, yeah, he's he had been there a couple of times Easy. too. Do you have you ever met a cowboy? A cowboy like vaquero? Have you ever met like a true cowboy in Texas? We kind of got him. Oh yeah, uh, in Mexico. Yeah, uh, 
No, I don't think like a cowboy. He well, he feels like you see him getting that. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. feels like a true cowboy without mustache and stuff. Uh-huh. Like a tr- do you have you heard of the Marlboro Man? The, the, in the in the states, there was always this guy smoking cigarettes with a cowboy hat from Marlboro cigarettes. Uh huh. <laughs> That's what he is. <laughs> but but think but so why I mentioned it is thinking about that kind of guy. I want to go where he goes. You know, so mm-hmm. you think about Fortaleza, like I gotta go check this thing out. Just amazing personalities in the mix too. Mm-hmm. So the, over there, we we hosted the welcome parties, and so I got involved with all the people there, and so they took me also to their to their tours and the distilleries and everything, and and then I was like, I gotta go to Oaxaca. I can't <laughs> can't handle this anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially when I was doing the tastings also and explaining differences between mezcal and tequila, people was like, Oh my god, uh, have you ever been to Oaxaca? How do you know all of this? And like, uh, yeah. no, I. <laughs> not yet but we will go soon it is a weird feeling right to somehow be a spokesperson for something that you haven't seen so to mm-hmm. your earlier point go make up your own mind mm-hmm. it's crucial it's very very important yeah yeah so uh, after that i i went on myself went on my own on my own to oaxaca and funny thing is um well i went to into several palenques distilleries mm. And when uh, somebody took me to Sombra, and when I got there, I see John John, which is uh, one of the founders, mm-hmm. and he goes like, "Hey, I know you." Like, yeah, I know you too. Like, I used to wait on him at the oyster bar. No way! <laughs> but he never told me that um, he had a mezcal brand, and yeah. I never told him I liked mezcal. So that that was crazy. And and then um, he said, "Oh, Andres, we're we're start we're gonna start." Um, uh, building our brand in Guadalajara too. So like, would you like to work for us? I was like, yeah. <laughs> what year is this that we're talking? Uh, two, ex, uh, two years and a half ago. Two and a half years ago, wow. So, you know, we this is the thing. I meet a lot of people from brands and I've met a lot of brand, brand founders as well. And so when I got to sit down with Richard, thanks to, to Travis, obviously Travis knows everybody in the, in the mm-hmm. whole world. Apparently. <laughs> no matter where I am, he's always like, oh, you go meet this person, like Spain, wherever. Right? But... The thing about him is he seemed so kind and he seemed so in touch with the human condition, mm-hmm. what people go through. And he was an ex-skater too in Arizona. You know, <laughs> do you know that? No. Yeah, dude, he was a skater growing up too. <laughs> Samoyer, like kind of everything that he wanted to do. But it really set a really interesting foundation for how things would feel with Sombra. You know, the brand, how the people were treated. And a lot of times you don't necessarily get that when you go up the, the ladder, if you will. Yeah. So when you started working with the brand, how did you feel about them and how they embraced you and how they cared for the people at the Palenques making the mezcal? Well, I, I was uh, amazed and happy to <clears throat> have such a story to share and be part of this. I mean, I think we all, all of us got laid to the... Uh, to <laughs> These environmental issues that we have right now, oh, taking care sure. of the planet. Because you're like, is this really going to be that big a deal? No one's going to care about mezcal, right? But mm-hmm. then they do. But, but yeah, like um, everything they've done at uh, the, our, our Palenque, uh, we're very happy that we can have our own Palenque and we don't go around showing off and saying, oh, we, we rock. We are mm-hmm. the ones who are making things right. Like, no, we're not like that. We actually, our doors are open and we want everybody to come and see how they can get rid of their waste or making a better impact on the environment. Yeah. So I was like, this is great. I, I have lots of things to say. And, be, and besides not uh, abandoning the traditions of how to make artisanal mezcal. Mm-hmm. So. How do you, you know, one of the things, and this is not a Sombra commercial, but it was the first time it was brought to my attention because Richard was talking about this, using the spentagave to make bricks to heat. Have you? How has this process kind of evolved since you've been with Sombra? Well, uh, we had to uh, have bigger room. We had we had oh a, yeah, <laughs> we had a, a room in El Palenque, and then we have to move to a bigger spot because um, they they were they were they were evolving. They first they were using a machine to um, to make the bricks, and we used to give them away to the Matatlan community, oh. but then. Um, well, luckily, we found this group of architects uh, that they explained to us how to 
get rid. I mean, they they knew how to get rid of uh, the waste mm-hmm. and make something useful with the uh, binasa or binas yeah. and the fibers and just to add dirt and making uh, four times more resistant adobe bricks. So uh, nowadays, this um, these people has been building. Well, if we through volunteering. We've been building uh, houses in the Sierra Mije, which is an indigenous region that they lost around 4,000 houses in the <laughs> in the earthquakes oh, wow. two years ago. And they're completely forgotten from uh, the government. Like, like nobody's doing anything for them. Yeah. So uh, that's how it's been evolved, right? Like we are helping uh, people who doesn't have uh, resources to rebuild uh, what they've lost. So... That's pretty cool. Like everybody that goes to the Palenque, they want to see, and everybody tells me all the time, hey, when are you having another volunteering program? We want to go help. We're going to mm-hmm. go help. So I think it's it's a fantastic thing that it, I hope uh, all more brands can do this kind of stuff too, you know? Yeah. Do you, you know, obviously over forcing or, you know, over harvesting rather, it's a really, really big concern for people that love mezcal, but the people that haven't yet come into the category, they don't even know. I mean, mezcal can and often tastes different now than it did eight years ago because mm-hmm. of unripe agave being harvested and made from mezcal, whatever, right? Just because you mm-hmm. got to get get it done. Right? Yeah, Just exactly. Get, get yeah. the thing done. We need to sell it. But what are you, does Sombra have in place in terms of, now we know about the bricks and reducing waste, which is an amazing thing and basically helps all the waterways. Right, allows them to still be usable for everybody else in the village, which I think is a really important thing. But in terms of replanting, are there certain strategies that you guys use? Yeah, of course we have to. In in our fields, we have to leave twenty percent of our agaves to uh, develop the quiote. Oh, so twenty percent. That's yeah. great. Yeah, otherwise you're lost in the future. Mm-hmm. The natural evolution of the plant, uh, you won't have. Yeah, right. <laughs> an evolution. Well, and it's susceptible and single virus, right? Or single fungus will kill exactly. all of the agave. So. And your neighbors too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's probably the best point is you don't realize like everything is so interconnected. And this yeah. is Matatlan? Is that where you guys are? Uh, we are in Matatlan. That's where our Palenque is, which for the ones who don't know, it's the world capital of Mezcal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of the production comes from there. Yeah. But uh, you gotta know your. You gotta know where to go if you wanna go buy mezcal there, because uh, the reputation that Matatlan has, right? Yeah. So, but our fields are um, like an hour and a half away, and from uh, our Palenque, San Juan, and San Luis del mm-hmm. Rio. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, the the agave, like if we don't if we don't have uh, decent uh, sugar mm-hmm. bricks mm-hmm. content, we don't we we can't make mezcal. We can make Good quality mezcal. So sometimes you have to wait, and for your agaves to mature, you don't, you can't. If you're gonna, if you want to make a good mezcal and have a good consistency, mm-hmm. you can't be, you can be making mezcal with whatever agave you you find or you buy or like whatever. Right, which is what you see, right, in Matatlan too. I think mm-hmm. more than perhaps in some other places, but it's becoming a larger problem. But so you guys introduced this. I'm thinking this goes back 2008, 2009. Is that when Sombra kind of came to be? When the first bottles were coming into America, or is it much sooner than that? I think 2006. Oh, it's even earlier. Yeah, Th- that's, that's unheard of, almost, right? Like to think about how early that is in this whole evolution of mezcal. But yeah. so for the original, the first mark, which is the Espadine, this is what well, I'm thinking. What 43, 45 percent ABV? 45. Uh, 45. Yeah, 90 proof, 45 ABV. Have some more of this. Ah, there you go. <laughs> We're we drinking we, mezcal as we speak. We have <laughs> we really allotted our disposal at the moment. So this is a really beautiful moment to talk <laughs> about this. But this is so. These are some things I didn't know. Dishbe. <laughs> it was a plight thing, probably. <laughs> but single palenque or multiple palenque? No, it's one only one palenque. Multiple mezcaleros or we have a uh, we have. Two maestros that they run. I mean, like we, everybody who's who works in the palenque, they get their hands into everything. Right. And, but uh, the ones who uh, run the distillery and and define the flavor profile mm-hmm. uh, are Wilfredo and Pablo, 
who if you get to the palenque yeah uh you you'll see them you'll meet them there and uh they'll be happy to explain you <laughs> all the parts of our process so uh, it's it's them too running but everyone who's there like they, they I do think everything that's right because you the whole it feels like there's a, i know there's a community of agave but it feels like for the brand itself there's a community right it's not just hierarchical and like you go do this and you go do this like everybody i think's got a piece of the passion that they get to kind of carry because i want to share something with you that was interesting to me and the way i think is relatively logical but there's one thing that never came to mind to me and i won't tell you what brand it is but i don't even have to no (laughs) um but i forgot a single palenque has a style and it usually is very consistent if to your point when you're saying we're not letting this agave go but this one will let go but the rest of this has to grow mm-hmm. sure but i never thought about the concept of a single village right i uh-huh. it, somehow i just figured these villages are quite large depending on where it is so you could have 10 blankets you could have 20 blankets it just depends mm-hmm. and so i just when i started thinking about that concept of perhaps one of the mezcals that set a real big standard for how people consume mezcal that's got to be vastly. I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's disrespectful, but it's kind of like you're playing guitar too loud. Go sit down, right? <laughs> you know, like everybody has their own voice. But do you, I think there's a place for blends like that, and I see it being kind of maybe a future with Union being a big blender. You know? mm-hmm. Do you think one method is better over the other? Uh, I I think. Mezcal is so magical that you can find different flavor profiles and 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 even between batches you can find different flavors yeah. and and I think it, it would be really boring if every bottle of mezcal would taste the same. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I think that answers the question, right? I think yeah, I'm, yeah. So you're, that's a really good way to answer it. Is that if you like that, cool. If you don't like that, there's something for you there too, right? Mm-hmm. But but sombra 100 percent single palenque yeah see 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 everything which, comes from there which is which is from the same place what do you tell somebody when because it's very cost effect like this is this bottle is really reasonable the, the mm-hmm. right at 90 proof what do you tell people that are new to mezcal what does sombra bring to them oh because <laughs> this is a little bit you know it's a little bit like andres just you can go through the sales pitch i want to see how you, <laughs> i want to see how you how you, how you think about it <laughs> Well, I always tell people like maybe you will feel that it's a little bit aggressive because it's uh, high proof. It's uh, it's a flavor profile that it's defined for people who like mezcal and they can keep sipping. Mm-hmm. And when you're making a cocktail, which I like mezcal cocktails, but I for hundred uh, percent I think the best way to drink mezcal is neat. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I tell them that if, try neat. If you don't like it, try in a cocktail, and you will start understanding the flavors because it's high proof. So when you're making a cocktail with sombra, the Flavors uh, won't vanish the agave and mm-hmm. the and the little bit smokiness. We we try to find a balance so it's not that smoky. We actually uh, we use a specific wood uh, certified uh, Mexican oak. Oh, we good. Could say. Okay. Yeah. So they something that sometimes people don't talk about is how much wood it takes to cook because this is all pit earthen pit. Uh huh. So the one thing you need to heat up that earth and stone <laughs> yeah. is a bunch of wood. So better traceability with this kind of wood oh see 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 traceability that's a beautiful you, word actually. you know you know what i'm talking about right because like, uh-huh. a lot of people they say they get wood from places and they just cut down a forest just so they could eat the mezcal but you guys are using a certified type of mexican oak which is mm-hmm. a really important thing what's that process i mean so much wood right to, to even use one cook yeah and the thing is uh that mexican oak um it burns us lower and oh. So that's it's the one that we decided was the best to have a balanced smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. So I think mesquite, for example, it's you will if you drink a mezcal made with mesquite, it will taste very smoky mm. or more burnt maybe. Sure. So sure. It, do, you, do you guys use cedar at all for cedar? Have you heard that's a really we hate it in Texas. Cedar? It's it's a type of tree. Yeah, it's really really dense wood and it gives everybody terrible allergies. <laughs> Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I never heard of cedar, so I don't think so. Yeah, there may be, there's potentially another name for it. But So, easy going, oh, not yeah, too smoky, right? Sales-wise, yeah. And uh, sip after sip, you'll start understanding more and more the flavors. Don't mm-hmm. uh, you'll, It'll warm you up in the 
in the first sip yeah. and maybe you feel like oh my god it's it's a strong but once you start uh sipping and sipping uh you start to get it more and loving it and it's great to open appetite i always explain that too it's good for pairing with some food not with all of mm-hmm. uh, something with, salty excuse me like a nice dried cheese or for example be really nice yeah some cooked um Seafood also, Ooh, yeah. not spicy food. Otherwise, it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the alcohol was make everything spicier. Yeah, but uh, and also it's it's great for uh, it's great for cocktails too. So it works in cocktails. It works in uh, as an after lunch, after dinner drink. If, if you have or mal- during lunch drink. Let's be on. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> if if you have mal del puerco, as they say in. <laughs> In Mexico, that you're so stuffed, you had a lot of food, you had a bunch of tacos, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I can't, I can breathe." Like you, you can have a mezcal, and you'll be back to life. A digestive, <laughs> see, right? So it'll soothe you in perfectly, and it's fantastic also for the uh, last course, which is the party, getting mm-hmm. drunk mm-hmm. and getting magical, <laughs> magical <laughs> as we say. In, in, because uh, mezcal will get you magical. I mean, mezcal will definitely make you talk, make you awake, you and of course, if you abuse, it can mistreat you. Sure. But uh, just if you do this combination, which is my favorite couple, it's mezcal. Coco and mezcal. Mezcal and water on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you you wake up like no hangover at all the next day. That's why I also got involved in this because I couldn't believe how uh, all the benefits yeah. uh, when you're drinking mezcal. Like, I don't want to sound like a mezcal preacher, but... No, but I get what you... I mean, <clears throat> I've talked to many writers, in fact, about the effects of mezcal versus scotch or bourbon mm-hmm. and their moods uh-huh. the prolific nature of their writing and their creativity varies vastly between what they're drinking <laughs> Hemingway was always drinking bourbon right like uh-huh. <laughs> those deep things but if it was mezcal maybe he would have been a little bit lighter and brighter a writer it's hard to say do you you said you don't play any instruments but do you write do you uh, sing anything like that <laughs> no 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 by in my, in my house, there were lots of instruments, and I, I tried to play them. I wasn't any good, so I <laughs> decided to <laughs> leave that to my brothers who are specialists. They all yeah. play instruments and sing and everything. But uh, no, I do listen to a lot of music all the time. Yeah. And I and probably my favorite activity is to go to a concert. That's, mm. <laughs> that's unbeatable. That's a great point. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, again, Mezcal has that kind of rich tapestry of colors and flavors. So... I had heard about this just today, in fact. So we're sipping this Tobala, which is a personal gift. And uh-huh. as we all know, it's, it's a, <laughs> a really nice gift, a beautiful bottle, a liter and a half. So it's a, it's a specific, <laughs> it's a specific, <laughs> a specific thing, right, of this Tobala. But I was unique, just yeah. super unique. And I actually am glad that the glass is so big because it just gets better and better <laughs> with age. So if, if you're true mezcal collectors or hunters, if you will, seek these bottles out, right? Yeah, and put him in the dark. <laughs> put him in the dark. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot can, of glass. It's like <laughs> yeah, you can age mezcal in glass in the dark, and it would evolve, and will it, uh, it will give you different flavors throughout time. And that's one of the great things too. Is as we evolve, people are never twice the same from day to day. Mezcal is similar, right? But I didn't know that there was a new ensemble that was out. Oh, yeah. We're actually very excited. <laughs> so this is... So going back to sales. <laughs> no, but the, but I mean, this is, we were talking about Tepestate, and we're drinking a Tobala. And this is a blend of just those two, or is there Espadina uh-huh. as well? No, it's just uh, 61% Tepestate, which uh, takes 18 to, five, 18 to 30 years uh, to mature. This is a 25-year-old Tepestate. Mm. It's 61% of that, and... 39% of Tobala, which takes around 12 years to mature. And, you know, mezcal in the history used to be like mezcaleros would cut all their agaves, no matter what agave it would be. Right, yeah, and like, just and to make a batch, whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. This is my mezcal. They wouldn't tell you it has this, 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 and this. Like, that didn't matter back in the day. But in this case, we, we cooked Tepecstate on one side and the Tobala on the other side. Oh, you cooked it separate? We cooked it separate. Oh, yeah. no kidding. Yeah, Did yeah. you distill the bagasse together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, tradi- traditional way of fermenting and distilling with, with fibers. Bagasso. So that's a bagasso, thank you. Mm-hmm. So this is a distillate of both. That's, I mean, that's crazy. Because, you know, the, here's something that was kind of always confusing for me. Because you think about scotch, blended scotch, right? It was all, all made separate. And then you just go and you blend it together for the right mm-hmm. profile. But this was 
cooked separate but distilled together or distilled separate then blended distilled separate yeah. okay thank you All cooked right. and distilled separate and then we look for the ratio the right ratio uh to make the the flavor profile that we wanted that's exciting <laughs> I, well, I love that concept because some other brands are starting to utilize scotch kind of blending mm -hmm. and that sounds good <laughs> if, if a certain producer does or a certain plant tastes like this and a certain plant tastes like this sometimes combined they're greater than they ever are by themselves right mm -hmm. when is this when was this available it's, it's available now but is it relatively new yeah it's uh i think it's february uh that we started coming out with it or oh wow we don't get it here oh just a month ago oh yeah i don't know exactly with it in each state mm. uh when it was available, but um, it's a 2000 limited edition bottle. Just 2000 only? Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. So you better get your hands into it. <laughs> well, so let's try this because I, you know, what I would think is it's an, an evolution of the original product, right? The Espadine, as I've kind of revisited, really nice. And there's this just toasty caramel note that I really like that's kind of supporting everything else. It's not too acidic. Certainly not cheesy and lactic, which we were talking before recording. Mm -hmm. It's not something I really like, you know. But this is really, really, it makes me change my perception about what a, I don't want, it's not well, but maybe well-priced mezcal can be. Mm -hmm. Because the other stuff that's out there does not taste like this. <laughs> it tastes rocky and cheesy and stuff like that. Uh-huh. This is actually, it's a still proof and it's 51.6 ABB. Which is like 102, 103 proof. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, how do you feel about that one? I'm very, I'm very happy with the final result. Well, the the bottle is beautiful too. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know how much roughly it is in retail? One ninety nine. Oh shit! I should probably choose this <laughs> bottle more carefully, huh? <laughs> well, just you can tell by this enclosure, right? This is beautifully made. It's, is it sterling silver or stainless silver at the top? Something really nice. I mean, you can yeah, hear it's, it, right? it's heavy, as you can tell. Super heavy. <laughs> Heavy metal. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Actually, it is. You no, know, we were really happy because we, like, every time they uh, we introduce Sombra, like, right. <laughs> but I'm not gonna break it. That's a good. Yeah, <laughs> we introduce Sombra to people. They go like, "Oh, you don't do anything but Espadín. Like, we want to try other stuff." And like, because we we are sustainable and we talk about uh, sustainability all the time, we don't want to mess with the wild world of agaves. Yeah. So in this case, they are wild uh, tepexate and wild oh, okay. tobalas, but in return, we uh, planted from seed oh, wow. 20,000 tobala plants in uh, in our palenque that then they will have to, after two years, we'll have to put them in the, in the fields. Mm -hmm. So we are giving back the land uh, way more than what we've used to make this special <laughs> blend. Where does that ethos or where does that principle come from to say we gonna we're, we're gonna have to give back to the land is that just the culture of sombra is that something from richard john john or just uh-huh it's yeah it's our uh mentality i don't know what's the oh, yeah. right word but Mental, yeah a paradigm like there's a couple words for it but yeah yeah it's uh nuestro lema <laughs> no, so what is it nuestro lema nuestro lema yeah like oh. I don't know the word in English. I like that word, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, got a tutor, a Spanish tutor now, and I'm studying every day and doing stuff, and so I'm, I'm trying to listen to every single word. <laughs> but it's it's funny. I mean, I got that from meeting Richard, right? That it was a, I don't know, man. It's a humble company. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's down to earth. In independent humble company. Totally independent. <laughs> so one of the things and. We have one other market that we'll talk, and we'll talk kind of about the future of Mezcal. But there's been a lot of movement with, with the brand itself. It seems like there's been a lot of expansion lately. I I don't exactly know if, if this is... Have you guys had a little more success lately where you can mm -hmm. break into more markets and all of that? Yeah, I think our success is because we have... A, not talking about competition or talking about other brands, but I think it's because we, we keep making uh, 90... Proof mezcal in the forty five ABB. Yeah, thank you for that. And, by and the way, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, I hate that if we if we have to make uh, lower proof and watered down mm -hmm. and not having all these uh, flavors, so uh, real mezcal flavors. So I think that's why. And 
being steady on the market that's also why we've been successful and and also like when people come and see what we're doing they fall in love with uh our processes and mm. uh, our brand and we also like every every tour that i have to do in oaxaca because i go to oaxaca like once a month uh we also show them we don't take them only to sombra like we take them to other uh, palenques that's great to show them how you can get things done right also and other to experience to give them a whole agave education, a whole mezcal experience. Mm-hmm. And then we take them around mezcalerias and make them drink almost everything we can <laughs> till they pass away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, it's like I, I am probably like the, me and Paolo are more in charge of that, of the uh, touring. Yeah. And we are the only last ones going to bed. <laughs> well, you got a very important job to do. Yeah. yeah educate <laughs> them. It's, it's beautiful. Right. And keep everybody on keep moving forward keep them asking questions keeping them engaged but at the same time trying all of these beautiful and different flavors this okay so this is great because we're talking about the espadine it's 90 proof and it creates a very nice accessible in terms of black album metallica okay. <laughs> like you get it you can sing along to a metal song really you can like wherever i'm in like this stuff makes sense right yeah yeah but this is taking us to master of puppets <laughs> right because there's so much more going on here not to say the espadine isn't very rewarding because it is it's very satisfying but you're getting every bit of flavor here i'm getting chocolate back from that tapestate i'm getting this interest interesting acidity almost like a brine but not salty like vinegar which is really really nice but everything's super in balance so where does this come into play with the people that love mezcal how do you bring them into this ensemble um, I would say like if they want to, I mean that they're used to espadine because it's the, the thing that you can find the most in the market. Yeah. But um, I mean you can have you can find lots of different flavors. I always talk about Karwinski, for example, which mm-hmm. I hate doing favorites, but it's, they're probably my favorites. Really? The Karwinskis. But um, uh, it's something else that they have to try no matter what to uh, understand more what what you can get about uh, with mezcal yeah. by distilling other uh, other plants, Cause o- if other, you, other types of agave. Ab- absolutely. Because if you only heard the one song on the radio, you may not actually know how the band is. And if you've only had an espadine, especially if you've only had an espadine at 80 proof, you really don't know what agave is capable of. And mm-hmm. the flavor here is really, really beautiful. And so Texas just got it. I mean, 2,000 bottles is not going to go very far, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So hopefully, peop- uh, I mean, our, our fans <laughs> can yeah, get Yeah, yeah, that's Like good. if we translate it to like, music, yeah, sure. <laughs> our fans can get to try. They're going to buy the shirt, the VIP pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you when you listen to this album and, and you know the hit. I mean, you before listening to the album, you get the hit and you want to listen to the whole album. <laughs> There's our ensemble. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> It's exactly it. Really, really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and besides, it evolves. I mean, if you, in a few more minutes, you will you you get this uh, tropical fruit flavor, more like banana, uh-huh. I'd say, and it's beautiful. I mean, like, and every palate and every nose is different, though. Of I, course, and that's the beauty. But that's of this industry. <laughs> in the states, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're not really getting along very well. There's people arguing all the time. There's protests happening. And it's because people don't want to admit that they change. They don't want to admit that it's okay if we're different. We don't have to all be right. So in a way, I feel mezcal is a very big symbol, a metaphor for allow it to change. And what you think is reality may not, in fact, be the case. You know. So this is the thing. I romanticize mezcal because <laughs> I think sociologically it's a really important thing. I think creatively it is as well. Something I've seen this is kind of the last bit of topics I wanted to talk to you about. Barrel proof whiskey, barrel selections from Elijah Craig as we're actually, you know, we're in the Austin Shaker office, but they have a certification of an <laughs> Elijah Craig barrel, which is a beautiful barrel they picked out. That's becoming really big business for bourbon. Angels Envy's doing things, you know, all the big guys eventually are getting into saying, oh, you want to buy a barrel of things. So I'm finally starting to see that with Mescal. They're in Texas, of course, we're so close to the border. It's easy for shipping and stuff for us. 
Real Minero just had a batch that dropped that Kiki and David here at Thousand Chica, they picked that up, right? <laughs> so like, it's becoming a thing. So from what I understand, this is a piece of Sombra's thinking about this barrel selection or batch selection as well. Is this something in the future for you guys? Yeah, kind of, because there's there's a market who's demanding it. And uh, same thing happened with tequila, right? Like, mm. like, uh, like you've been saying before, like uh, they they wanted to grab uh, to catch the attention of the brandy and whiskey drinkers mm-hmm. uh, into the into tequila. So then it's your choice if you want to drink it aged or unaged. Yeah, yeah, it'll be your choice. In my like my personal opinion, I I love uh, uh, the uh, blanco yeah. oven. No, no. It's already pretty complex. You know? yeah, yeah, it's already yeah, huh. But uh, if it's something that's gonna help the category to grow and people get in more into like, oh, now I like mezcal. Yeah. Uh, uh, welcome. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it, 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 you get some strange. You know, I had a. I was in Guadalajara actually at uh, Amores, and they had a Saturn finished, which is Saturn is a dessert wine, right? A French dessert. Wine. <laughs> and mezcal and. You taste it together and you're thinking, this is improbable that this would ever work, but it was delicious. So there's always those possibilities, you know, always those innovations. You start with the espadine and then you blend these more nuanced and flavorful agaves together in the ensemble. And so it looks like, and we'll try this after we're done recording, but it looks like you guys are actually resting in some bourbon casks. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah, but it's not going to be like massive. No. It's just a uh, two catch the attention of some consumers that they want to try uh, Sombra aged, right? Yeah. Like, And there's a market for us. Like I said before, it's demanding it, so um, we'll give it to them. You got to play the hits, we, right? Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we will always encourage them to try the, the real deal. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I think it's smart to pivot and move in different directions and things, and sometimes these happy accidents become spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. that, you know, it... Again, before we're recording, we're talking about Sergio Mendoza and like Don Fulano, Extrañejo. How does that work? Right? <laughs> it just somehow makes so much sense. But many Extrañejos, they, they don't taste that good. So it's yeah. fun to experiment, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love also like aged in glass mezcal, like sure. we were saying oh, yes. before. Yeah. And uh, uh, as long as it has agave flavor, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Like it has to have agave flavor. Otherwise, you're, you're drinking something else. Absolutely. So I really. Congratulate some brands that they, they can pull that out, you know, still yeah. making añejo or extrañejo and still having that agave flavor. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Magic. Mm-hmm. Magic. So we got two questions left for you. Right. <laughs> the first is we, you know, we've been sipping this because because the Tobala for me in that moment where Travis and Richard were in my hotel room and we're exchanging and talking. Let's talk about that. So you're sipping this Sombra Tobala anywhere in the world. Okay. Any mezcaleria, your house, wherever doesn't matter and you can have a drink in a conversation with anybody living or deceased who might you like to sit and enjoy a mezcal and talk with anywhere in the world anywhere in the world it's just, yeah the location is not necessarily as relevant as who might you have a conversation with oh i would say uh, probably like somebody from the industry yeah somebody who could appreciate it and like for example, I, t- I just been to Argentina and people who hadn't been drinking mezcal or just drunk a little bit, mm-hmm. tried try, try only a little bit and they were crazy about it. So I would say that probably somebody from the industry like a sommelier, uh-huh, yeah. definitely somebody into the wine world to try this or yeah, like somebody who likes spirits, who is uh, fond of spirits and they never tried mezcal before and... Mm. Maybe Tobala would wouldn't be the in- introduction, but for sure they will be like, "Wow, well, I, I can't understand this right away." Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever feel like hanging out with Dave Mustaine? With Einstein, Dave Mustaine. Oh, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> 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 I would love to. Yeah. Or like if yeah, if we talk about probably Phil Anselmo would be. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> I would love to have some mezcal with. Can Phil you Anselmo. please make that happen? And I will take pictures. I'll record. I don't care. I'll record the conversation. <laughs> He's so chill. <laughs> really? You know? he, well, he, all the stuff I've seen about him, he's such a voracious singer, but in terms of just, he's like super chill guy. <laughs> and they're from Dallas, right? So yeah. Just a few hours from here. Brilliant. <laughs> so next stop for you, you're hosting a dinner here in Austin. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Shore Raw. Shore Raw. 
Shore Grown. Oh, Shore Barn Grill. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, uh, pairing dinner with um, mezcal neat and cocktails so they can tell the differences. Yeah. So I'm excited for that too. What do you have in, st- like, what, what are a few notes you'd like to touch on this evening in your dinner? Um, <laughs> definitely production. <laughs> yeah. Sustainability. Um, not, uh, not like sip, don't shoot. Sip, yeah. don't shoot. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> what is it? Uh, tomar con respeto? Sí, tomar con respeto el mezcal de abecitos, despacito y con respeto. Ah, siempre. <laughs> well, it's brilliant, man. When are you back in Texas next? Um, hopefully soon. Yeah. I have to go to Chicago. Got to go to uh, where else? Uh, Orlando. Oh, cool. And uh, oh, I, I'm coming in October actually to Austin. <laughs> oh yeah. I just remembered, and also Oaxaca. Yeah. You know, and also New York again, too. Amazing. It's really an old brand. A lot of people don't realize it's had this steady, organic success. And it's really no mystery to me, like meeting someone like you, that these people are going to like the brand even more. <laughs> so well done on that. Nice. Bien, bien hecho. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. I'll see you in Oaxaca, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Yeah, I'm there <laughs> all the time. Pretty often, yeah. So, <laughs> also in Guadalajara. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be there in February for sure. Excellent. Hang out with Esteban. I'll say hello. Nice. Andres, thanks so much. Thanks to out. you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. <laughs> Take care. So, there we have it. What do you guys think of Mr. Andres Portela of Sombra Mezcal recently in Austin, Texas? You know, I try a lot of Espadines. There's lots of new brands that come into the market that, of course, are Espadines. They're inexpensive. But revisiting the Sombra the original Espadine. It is really, really good. And, you know, I try not to use the show as some kind of advertisement or some kind of commercial, but it's worth checking out, so you guys should check it out. And Andres is a great guy, ex-skater. We didn't really talk about that. Metalhead at heart and pure Mascal lover. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how excited you are that HBO dropped two shows early for Labor Day weekend, or if you're thinking, man... I'm going to keep trying to educate on Scotch, Mescal, and everything else, but when will it be too much? Please keep dancing. <laughs>